James chapter 3. If you have your Bibles, James chapter 3, beginning verse 13. And if you're wondering what the theme is, you're seeing all these game kind of things. The, the theme is twist and turns for VBS for this week. Following Jesus changes the game, and it's based off Psalm 25, 4. So if you're wondering what the theme is, that's what the theme is. That's why you see all the games and different things like that, from board games to video games. Uh, but James chapter 3, verse 13 we continue our series in James, A Living Faith, and uh, I was in seminary at Southwestern in Fort Worth, and I was in this New Testament Greek class. Now, if you didn't know this, the Old Testament was written in Hebrew, the New Testament was written in Greek, and there's some Aramaic um, in there throughout, but mostly Hebrew Old Testament, Greek the New Testament. And so here I was in this New Testament Greek class in seminary, and because I procrastinated long enough in my enrollment for that semester, I was stuck with Dr. Bateman as my professor for New Testament Greek. Nobody wanted Dr. Bateman. Everybody on campus knew you did not want Dr. Bateman. And so all the other professors, their classes were already filled. And the reason nobody wanted Dr. Bateman was because he was difficult. He was hard. And he would push you. And he would challenge you. And he would take you through the fire of Greek, so to speak, so that you would have a full cup of wisdom and understanding when it came to the Greek language of the New Testament. And how challenging he was became very obvious during our first exam, our first test. Now, at this point, I knew Greek. I'd already taken two semesters of it, elementary Greek one and two. I'd spent all summer before this only on Greek. Flashcards, 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 studying the language. That's all I did that summer. I knew Greek. I had experience with the language. And so going into this first exam, I was feeling very confident that I had wisdom and understanding when it came to this language. But all of that changed after that first exam, after that first test. We get to the test day, and it was a timed test. Now, I didn't think anything about that because I had taken timed tests before and had no problem with the time issue. Um, and so this test was timed and was timed in such a way, come to find out afterwards, that you had to know it so well that you could answer every question without even thinking. You had to know it that much, that you could just look at it like you knew it as, as, as much as like English or something. You had to know it that well. So I get to about halfway through the test Still had about two or three pages left. And all of a sudden, time. No joke, two or three pages left. Now, after I got the paper back, after I got the exam back, I had scored 100 on what I had completed, but I had two or three pages undone, meaning I failed the exam. My first one in that class. And what I learned was, is that I did not have the kind of wisdom and understanding that I thought I had possessed. Now, don't worry, I was able to make up for it, and I ended up getting, I think, a B in the class. Um, but I bring that up because the last couple of weeks have been difficult 
in the book of James. We have looked at works, and we've looked at words. Those of you here last week, you know how difficult that sermon was, and still continues to be, right? Strong commands, strong language from James. But in a way, James is like Dr. Bateman in New Testament Greek. He has put our works and our words through a test. He's pushed us. He's challenged us. He's taken our works and our words through the fire, if you will. Why? So as to reveal our true wisdom. So as to reveal our true wisdom and understanding. Because as we're going to see today, there are two kinds of wisdom. And which wisdom that you possess is going to be revealed by or through your works and your words. And God will put them to the test to reveal what kind of wisdom you really have. So look at James chapter 3, verse 13. And this is how James starts. He says, Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it. You, you, you proclaim to be wise and understanding, so let them show it then by their good life, by deeds or works done in the humility that comes from wisdom. Verse 14, but if you harbor or you hold on to bitter envy or jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, then don't boast about it and don't deny the truth about it. Verse 15, because such wisdom does not come from heaven, but it's earthly, it's unspiritual, it's demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit. It's impartial, and it's sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace will reap a harvest of righteousness. So James presents a revelation, and it's birthed out of this question right here. It's a revelation that connects works and words to wisdom. Remember, he's continuing his train of thought from the previous couple weeks that we've looked in this book. And so he asks this question, who is wise and understanding among you? So let's break down these two words. Wisdom here for James, as one person says, comes down to an intersection where theory and practice intersect. So the word that James uses here for wisdom really comes down to this theory and practice where they intersect. So in other words, wisdom for James is not just about what you know intellectually. Wisdom is about what you do with what you know. Wisdom is about what you do with what you know. Understanding, meanwhile... Understanding is being knowledgeable in a way that makes a person effective 
in the exercise or practice of that knowledge. So with this word understanding, James means an expert, one who has learned in a particular way or subject and is effective with that knowledge. So for example, a carpenter has understanding when it comes to wood. A mechanic has understanding when it comes to a vehicle, a car, a truck. So understanding is being knowledgeable in a way that makes one effective in the exercise or practice of such knowledge. So one commentator points out that the word understanding here for James qualifies the word wise. So what James is asking is, who is the person who is wise among you, but also who has experience or knowledge and ability and is effective in the practice of that knowledge? So who is wise and understanding among you? In a way, what James is doing is setting up this revelation that we see throughout the rest of these verses. He reveals that there are two kinds of wisdom. And he describes them in these words. One is heavenly, the other is earthly. That's what James describes here. Two kinds of wisdom. One is heavenly, the other earthly. And James reveals that they are drastically different. Drastically different. A great contrast exists between the two in where they come from and how they are expressed or exercised. So think of it like this. We have differences all around us. People, places, things. For example, one day I may go to McDonald's and get a burger. The next day I may go to Lotta Burger and get a burger. I may have two burgers, but completely prepared differently and taste dramatically different. Give me a lot of burger any day, right? That's just how I am. Some of you are like, no, give me McDonald's, whatever, right? There's differences in the burger, in the taste, in the preparation. I may go to Taco Bell one day, but I may go to Ted's another day or Sandy's. My gosh, so good, right? In the taco or the quesadillas and how they are prepared and how they taste, they're going to be different. Spouses are different. One of you makes eggs one way, the other, you, the other one makes eggs completely different. One of you folds towels one way, the other one just doesn't get it and folds the towels a different way. One of you thinks the temperature should be hot. Some of you are like burning up right now. Some of you are like freezing. Like why does it feel like winter right now, right? We're different. Some of you think you should drive this way. The other one thinks you should drive the other way. We won't talk about who. Yeah, amen. There's differences in cultures. Tipping, for example, in some cultures is an insult if you were to leave a tip. Hey, what are you saying? We didn't do our job? What are, what, are, what are you saying? Like, tipping can be an insult, whereas here it's an insult if you don't tip. Laughing with your mouth open in some cultures is horse-like if you show your white teeth, and it can be impolite. In some cultures, if you were to alter your meal from what's on the menu, or if you were to ask for condiments, that can be very rude very impolite, whereas here it's almost expected. In some cultures, if you're to accept a gift, you're expected to decline the gift a few times before you say, okay, I'll take it. 
In some cultures, if you were to finish off your meal, wipe that plate clean, they would think, oh my goodness, we didn't feed them enough. Give them some more, right? There's differences everywhere we go, right? Between people, places, or things. Well, there's a huge, drastic difference between heavenly wisdom and earthly wisdom. Where they come from and in how they are expressed. And James is trying to get us to see or to know the contrast between the two. One is from above, the other below. One is pure, the other impure. One is true, the other false. One is light, the other darkness. One is humble, the other proud or selfish. The other one is selfless. One is peaceful and peace-seeking. The other is divisive and loud. One is spiritual the other natural or of the flesh. One is from God, the other Satan. And not only does James want us to see or to know the contrast between the two, but also that what kind of wisdom and understanding we possess is revealed by or through our works and our words. What we've been talking about these last couple of weeks. So heavenly wisdom, heavenly wisdom is apparent through works and words that are pure, peace-loving, considerate, humble, submissive, full of mercy, good fruit, impartial, sincere. Example of Heavenly wisdom obviously comes from Jesus himself, and Paul describes this heavenly wisdom in Philippians 2. We've looked at this passage many times, but Paul says, listen, be like-minded. Have the same love among yourselves. Be one in spirit and of one mind. Be united. Do nothing out of selfish ambition. That's earthly wisdom. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, he says, Value others above yourselves. Don't look to your own interest, but each of you to the interest of others also. And in your relationships with each other, have the same mindset as Jesus Christ, who obviously is heavenly wisdom, who being in the very nature of God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage, Paul says. Rather, he made himself nothing By taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. So he was submissive to the Father for the benefit of others. That's heavenly wisdom. It's humble, it's pure, it seeks peace at all costs, it's selfless, It's true, it celebrates with the truth, it seeks the truth via works and words. Via words and works. Earthly wisdom, on the other hand, is apparent through works and words that are all about jealousy, rivalry, this bitter envy, he says, that some of us are harboring in our hearts. Earthly wisdom is apparent through works and words that are very boastful and proud, full of falsehood, disorder, selfish ambition, and again, bitter jealousy. 
Let me paint it to you like this. There's a, a famous old story. Some people debate its truth or not, whether it's fictional or nonfiction. But it's an old story about the ancient way to catch a monkey in southern India. And what they would do is they would place a banana inside a hollowed out coconut. Some stories say rice is what they would put in there. But some would say a banana. They would put a banana in a hollowed out coconut and that coconut would be chained to a stake. So what would happen is the monkey would approach this and kind of investigate and then stick his little hand in the hole and grab hold of the banana. But when his hand is in a fist like that, he couldn't pull it out of the hole. But he also couldn't let go of the banana. And so there he would try with all his might, jumping up and down, clawing at the thing, gnashing his teeth, squealing as monkeys will do, trying to get that fist out of that hole, grasping hold of the banana. But as the hunter approaches, he still doesn't have it out because he can't get it out, and he still refuses to let go of the banana. Thus the monkey is suddenly trapped and imprisoned, chasing the promise of fruit that he can never possess. That's the picture of earthly wisdom. And it's an example of our current culture. People grasping and clawing and squealing and gnashing their, tree, their teeth, trying to get what's mine. Mine, mine, mine. At whatever cost, get out of my way. I want it, I want it, I need it, I need it. It's mine. Though in the end, it leaves them trapped and imprisoned. Chasing the promise of fruit that they can never possess. And this earthly wisdom, it shuts out God. It limits its scope on things of this earth. It doesn't look above. It looks only below. Not just out of ignorance, but out of rebellion. It's closed off to God. Thus it grabs hold of the self, the promise of reward from this world. And as one person said, James is exposing earthly wisdom as the complete antithesis of anything godly. He says it's earthbound, it's spiritually dead, it's demon instigated. In other words, the earthly wisdom is of the world, it's of the flesh, and it's of Satan. The anti-trinity, if you will. And what James is saying is that, listen, there is no room for people who seek their own glory, who live according to earthly wisdom within the church. Because those who do will be like a foolish monkey grasping and clawing and squealing and gnashing their teeth, trying to get theirs, chasing something they cannot possess, something that leads to division and destruction in the end. Look at any church that is folded, and you will find within its culture not heavenly wisdom, but earthly wisdom. As one commentator says, often when Christians strive for a higher position in the church, i got to get me to that seat of honor. They do not imagine that their actions will actually create more problems. See, we may well think that we are the solution and that if we get our way, we will help the church improve. Instead, he says, James declares that self-seeking will invariably produce chaos and lead people to baser actions rather than to nobler ones. 
And he goes on to say, when we fight for power in Christian circles, then evil establishes a foothold. When we operate with worldly values, seeking our own honor and status, we even offer Satan an entrance into the house of God. Our actions no longer demonstrate our faith, but rather show our commitment to the world and its standards of behavior via works or words. So what James is saying here is saying, listen, look at your works. Look at your words. What do they reveal about your wisdom and understanding? What do they reveal about what you're holding on to? Heavenly things or earthly things? Do you possess heavenly wisdom and understanding or earthly wisdom and understanding? So think of it like this. Works plus words equal wisdom. That's in essence what James is saying here over chapter 2 and into, into 3. Works plus words equal or reveal your wisdom. So you can think of it like this. Heavenly works with heavenly words reveals you possess heavenly wisdom. Heavenly works plus heavenly words reveal you possess heavenly wisdom. But earthly works with earthly words reveals you possess earthly wisdom. So in all, your works and your words reveal your wisdom. So the question is then, is your wisdom and understanding heavenly or earthly? Remember, wisdom is not just about what you know. It's about what you do with what you know. Is it heavenly or earthly? I want to take you to another scene with a monkey. It's very similar to the first one. This one actually happened. These people were driving through a jungle, and they had a banana on their dashboard. Some of you might have seen this video. It went viral a while back. But they had this banana on their dashboard, and the monkeys in this jungle, you know, they're getting out. You can, you know, just animal watch and all that kind of stuff. Well, the monkeys come out. They're very active. And one of the monkeys actually gets on the, the car hood, and you can see it's trying to get to the banana. And if you see this little 20-second clip video, he starts, you know, just scraping at the window. And he's jumping up and down. He's trying desperately to get that banana. It looks about like some of us trying to get a certain seat of honor in the church. Very foolish. What he tries for a while, gnashing his teeth, jumping up and down, clawing and scraping. Well, then the big old monkey gets up there and says, get out of my way. I'm going to get that banana. And of course, to no avail, he gives up. Trying to get the promise he cannot possess. And what James is saying is that is the picture of earthly wisdom. And it has no place in the church. Grasping, clawing, gnashing your teeth, bitter, jealousy, trying to grab hold of what you cannot have, then everyone else starts to do the same. All it does is bring chaos, disorder, division. 
What James is saying, listen, for those in the church, we need to, we must let go of the banana in the coconut. Quit chasing the earthly banana trapped beyond the window. Humble yourselves, turn around, and look. Most brilliant, beautiful, better fruit available for you. Unending supply of heavenly bananas. All you have to do is ask. That's what he says in James chapter 1. He says, listen, if any of you lacks this wisdom, all you got to do is ask God. Quit chasing the earthly. Quit chasing the worldly. Quit chasing the demonic. Look to God and ask him for wisdom. Because he gives generously. Banana after banana after banana, all this fruit he gives generously to all without finding fault. And wisdom will be given to you. But when you ask, you have to believe and not doubt. Because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. That person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. So what James is saying is ask him and believe. Elsewhere he'd say, know that all good fruit comes from above. All good things do. And in so doing, directing your heart and mind upward, focusing not on the seen but on the unseen, as Paul would say, you'll find wisdom and understanding. You'll actually find freedom. But you can't doubt, you must believe, he says. Let him ask in faith. You can't be double-minded. You say, well, how is one double-minded? How does one doubt? Well, think of students. Let's go back to that exam picture. Think of students praying the night before for an exam. Maybe it's a final. Maybe it's a midterm. And they're praying, Lord, help me to do well on this exam. Help me to get through this exam. And then after they get done praying, they go and play video games all night. Some college students do this quite often. They pray to pass, but they plan to fail. That's being double-minded. It's like us praying for the lost, but never sharing our faith. That's being double-minded. It's praying for one thing, doing another. James is saying, ask for wisdom, pray for it, fear God. That's the beginning of wisdom and knowledge. But you also need to obey him. Live for him. Live your faith. Be single-minded. Pray, then do. As A.W. Tozer said, listen, the Bible recognizes no faith that does not lead to obedience. Nor does it recognize any obedience that does not spring from faith. The two are opposite sides of the same coin. He says, man, just ask me. I'll give you all these bananas, if you will. All this wisdom and understanding. But you've got to ask and you've got to be single-minded. So overall, James reveals that there are two kinds of wisdom. Two kinds of wisdom. The question is, is will we seek and ask for heavenly wisdom and then live heavenly wisdom? We must let go of whatever that earthly banana is. Whatever it is you're clawing for, it only enslaves you. It only keeps you trapped. It only keeps you forever searching and wanting. It only brings disorder and division and chaos. 
We are no longer of this world. What James is saying in all of this is we are to live and speak differently. There should be a contrast between us and the world because there is a contrast between earthly and heavenly wisdom. By your works and words, we should demonstrate heavenly rather than earthly wisdom. The question is, if God puts your works and your words to the test, what do they really reveal about your wisdom? Is it heavenly or earthly? So with heads bowed, eyes closed, I'm going to invite the team forward. We're going to have a time of invitation. And for some of us during this time, it's just a time to pray. Maybe we've been clinging to things that are earthly, that are of the flesh, that are of the world, clinging, clawing for them. And God's saying, you need to let go. The hunter is coming. He's like a lion prowling around looking for someone to devour. You've got to let go. You will be in prison with whatever it is you're holding on to. And he's telling us and calling us to look upward. So don't you realize, I have unending amounts. I give generously all the fruit you could ever want. But you got to ask. you got to seek me wholeheartedly. you got to be single-minded. As Jesus says, those who love me, obey me. It's faith and obedience. It's obedience and faith. For some of us, it's just sitting before God and saying, God, what, what wisdom do I really possess? If you were to put my works and my words to the test, what do they really reveal about where I'm at? Do I possess heavenly wisdom or earthly wisdom? And your prayer is just, Lord, give me heavenly wisdom. For others of us, it's just praying for this week, VPS and Panama and just for the gospel to go forth. For others of us, we need to follow through in baptism. We, we've given our lives to Jesus, but we never follow through in baptisms. For others of us, maybe it's church membership. We've been praying about it. Whatever the Lord is leading you to do right now, that invitation is open. Even as I pray, if you need to come down, you can start coming, even as I pray. Father, we thank you. We love you. And I pray that in each one of us, by our works and our words that we would demonstrate heavenly wisdom. As James says, who is wise and understanding among us, let, a, let that person show it, demonstrate it. And Lord, I pray that what is demonstrated is not earthly wisdom. That's of the world. That's of the flesh. That's of Satan. That leaves us imprisoned. That leads us divisive. That leaves us harboring bitter jealousy and envy, selfish ambition. Father, help us to let go of the fruit of this earth, to quit storing up treasures for ourselves here on earth, but instead let us store up treasures in heaven. Let us look to you wholeheartedly, single-minded, Father, whatever it is you're leading us to do in this moment, help us to be obedient 
and that calling and conviction. In Jesus' name I pray, <clears throat> amen. I ask that you all stand with us as we sing. You come if you need to.